Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'll burn out. Hi guys, welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. Happy New Year. I am so excited for 2021. I really have a lot of hope and just honestly, I'm just so glad to be out of 2020. I'm aware that we didn't just wake up on January 1st, 2021 to a whole new world. I get it. All the negative Nellies out there, like, I don't know, go do something, go on a walk. That makes me feel better. But listen, I get it. The circumstances have not changed, but I do think a new year is symbolic of new beginnings. We have the vaccine, you know, it's on the rise. It's coming. Okay. We have things to look forward to. I do think that there is just a more hopeful energy in the year of 2021. And I'm really, really glad to just in 2020. Personally, I don't know. I just feel better to be out of it. I know the world hasn't really changed much, but I feel like I am in a better place, not necessarily just because the year is over, but also because I mean, the year is over in all seriousness. I do feel like I learned so much. I grew so much life 20. Okay. January 1st, 2020 to January 1st, 2021, my life could not be more different. And I am just really using that as some inspiration whenever I'm down and I'm like, you know, This isn't exactly what I pictured for my life. I just think about how much has changed in the past year and how I know that January 1st, 2022, my life will be completely different. And I'm actually really looking forward to that. I really love how much can change in a year. While we're on stories that give a little bit of inspiration, I want to give you guys one that I tell my friends all the time. Not necessarily because I want this to be my life, more so just because you never know how much your life can change in just a few short months. Now, I'm sure most of us are aware of the queen that is Morgan Stewart. If you guys don't know Morgan Stewart, I love her. I'm literally obsessed with her. I watched her on Rich Kids of Beverly Hills and then she's now a host on E! and she kills it. She's literally, I mean, incredible, okay? Anyways, long story short, October of 2019. You may be asking, Kinsey, why do you know these dates? It's because I just looked it up for you guys. Okay, you guys are so welcome. Anyways, October 2019, she got divorced. They had separated in April, but officially divorced October 2019. Following summer of 2020, she's engaged and she just got married this past month and she's pregnant. Guys, so much can change, okay? We are gonna live with hopeful hearts, expectant hearts. We're just believing the best for 2021. That's what we're doing, guys, okay? 
I hope you all had a great, restful, refreshing, rejuvenating winter break. I will call it winter break for the rest of my life. I am aware that I'm now out of school fully. So I don't know if I'm like allowed to say that anymore, but I'm always going to. Okay. I didn't do much. I just chilled. I relaxed. I watched some TV. I read some books, you know, nothing new, but I actually did go to the lake this past weekend. I rented a little cabin. I deleted social media off my phone and I just read, I prayed. I just kind of prepped for 2021 because guys, in the words of my college director. We are not working or living to rest. We are working or living from rest. It's really interchangeable. Okay. Rest is really important. It's essential. I've talked about this so much. I could do an entire episode on the difference between resting and being lazy. I, I It's one of the most important lessons I think I've ever learned in my life. With that being said, I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling ready for the new year. I This is my first day back at uh, quote work just a normal work day. And I'm feeling good. I wanted to share a few books that I read over break and also a show that I watched because I don't watch shows. So I'm pretty proud of myself. The TV show that I watched was a teacher. If you guys haven't heard of it or seen it, I can't remember if it's on Netflix or Hulu. Forgive me. I'm so sorry. But it follows a story of a teacher having an inappropriate relationship with their student. So if that's not something you're into, definitely don't watch it. But I really liked the show. It was actually based in Texas in Austin, actually. A lot of people had recommended it to me and I liked it. I would definitely recommend. Okay, I'm going to share three of the books that I read. The first one being The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Listen, guys, I have absolutely no idea how I have not read this yet because in my kind of sphere of books and the book community that I am in now, um, this is one of the top reads and everyone and their mother has read this book and it had been on my want to read list on Goodreads for the longest time. And I finally read it. I cannot believe I put it off for so long because I absolutely loved it. For the most part, I hear raving reviews about it. And I just thought it was incredible. Totally different than I expected it to be. I think everyone should read it. It was so different even from the other books that I've read in 2020. And I just, I can't recommend it enough. The next book I read, The Light We Lost. I, I actually think I might've already talked about this, but I really did enjoy the book and I'm sharing it because if you guys liked Before We Were Strangers, you guys would like that. Speaking of Before We Were Strangers, the author, Renee Carlino, um, has actually been on the podcast. So go listen to that episode. The final rec I'm gonna give you is this time next year. It was really cute. It's a good cabin read. It follows this like New Year's Eve kind of story. I really, really enjoyed it. It was definitely a light read. So if you're looking for a light kind of entertaining, cute read, I would definitely pick this up. I want to share some goals that I have for the new year. For the most part, I don't love sharing goals because they're really personal to me, but these are not as personal. And I thought maybe you guys would need to hear more goals if you're looking to kind of goal set, you know, the new year was really weird starting on what Thursday or Friday. Cause like, obviously you're not going to start till Monday. So it was like January 4th was the first day of 2021. You know what I mean? First thing I have is go on more walks. I love going on long walks. This is something I really implemented probably the first half of quarantine. And I feel like I just fallen off. It has been really cold in Texas lately. So I get why I haven't been, but I want to go back to going on more walks and even more walks with friends. You know, if I'm going to like get coffee with a friend, especially because I live in a very walkable area, I just want to go on walks and go on walks with friends. I feel like that is something that I've loved doing and I haven't implemented it in my life enough. So I'm excited for that. 
The second thing is I want to incorporate tennis and horseback riding as some new hobbies. I've been talking with a friend about starting a tennis club for the longest time. And that's really been put on kind of halt due to COVID, even though tennis is like a really COVID friendly sport, I guess. Didn't think of it like that. But I do want to just play tennis for fun. And then I have wanted to horseback ride for fun, like more often than I have before for probably the past year. When I moved to Texas, I was like convinced that I was going to find somewhere. It's going to befriend them all. And that was going to be like my weekly thing. And I just didn't do it. Obviously COVID, but also I didn't do it. It is so peaceful. If you are looking to relax horseback riding, oh my God, so peaceful. I also live in Texas. Like I need to do it. The problem is I don't actually know where to go, but I'm going to figure it out. And I'm very excited. My reading goal this year is a hundred books, which I did last year, but I won't. Well, actually, I didn't actually set out to read a hundred books that year. I just happened to because I didn't do anything other than read, but I am doing a hundred books. Speaking of book club, we'll talk about that soon. Um, also, I just wanted to say while we're here, I've updated my Goodreads profile to the best of my ability. I was really bad about keeping up with it, but I decided in 2021, I was going to keep up with it. So I started my challenge. But if you guys ever need book recs or you're wondering what I read or what I'm reading, it's always on my Goodreads profile. It's just Kenzie Elizabeth or Kenzie Piper. I'll have it linked somewhere, but it's really great. Goodreads is awesome. I spend so much time on there. That's why I'm like kicking myself for not really keeping track of my own reading as much. That's where I look at all book reviews. I honestly spend more time on Goodreads than I do on like Instagram and Twitter. It's kind of embarrassing. The next thing I want to do is just spend more time with friends. Obviously, I feel like that's going to be something for a lot of people this year, but I actually have people who are coming to stay with me, pretty much living with me. So I'm excited about that. You guys will see that soon. The last thing is not overdoing it. I feel like at the beginning of the new year, we're on this adrenaline. We're pumped up with all of our new goals. And I kind of create this lifestyle. Maybe that's not sustainable. And also honestly, just yeah, sustainable. Even to get to the goals that I want, I want to do it in a very healthy manner. So that's my last goal. Okay, guys, a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Best Fiends. You guys know I cook all the time. And I'm also very impatient. So when I'm waiting for something to cook and I'm getting really frustrated, I turn to playing Best Fiends. It's something that I can always count on to help me unwind. Best Fiends gives you hours of fun, casual gameplay that never gets old with thousands of levels plus new content and events added all the time. You guys know I wouldn't keep talking about it if I didn't keep playing it. My favorite time of night is when I play jazz music in the kitchen and I start cooking dinner. Then, of course, I have to be patient and wait. So that is when I play Best Fiends. Again, Best Fiends is the can't put it down mobile puzzle game that's free to download. With over 100 million downloads, this five star rated mobile puzzle game is a must play. More levels, events, and challenges added all the time. So play away. There's always one more level. Seriously, once you download Best Fiends, boredom won't stand a chance. When Best Fiends says the fun never ends, it's really not an exaggeration. There are 5,000 puzzle levels and counting. So if you are worried you get to level 3,247 and run out of fun, don't be. You've got a lot to go. There's always another update, whether it's more levels, fun events, or changes on the game based on fan feedback. So you guys can download Best Fiends free today on the mobile app store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. So F-I-E-N-D-S. Okay, guys, let's get back to the episode. 
Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Moving on to a little bit of housekeeping. The newsletter is back, okay? Join the mailing list. I said that so aggressively, but I'm very excited about it. I have been slacking in the past couple of months on this newsletter. Honestly, just had so much going on with Vlogmas and everything else. Quarter four is crazy, but the newsletter is back. It's back and it's better. It's all my favorite reads, listens, like podcasts, product fit recs, uh, favorite follows. There's so many things in the newsletter, Promise it's not annoying. It's once a week. You guys will like it. I promise. Our January book club pick is Pretty Things with Janelle Brown. And we are reading along with Danielle Carolyn of Gals on the Go. So on the 28th, I will be sharing our book club episode. So the first half will be solo. Let me know what you guys want for solo episodes because I haven't recorded it yet. And I always listen to what you guys say. And then the last 20 minutes of it, Danielle and I will recap the book. I get a lot of questions on how to join the book club. Follow our Instagram and join the Facebook group because it's announced there. And then in the Facebook group, we chat about it. Basically, all you do is read along and you listen to the podcast episode. So many new YouTube videos. If you guys are looking for motivation for 2021, I have you covered youtube.com slash Kinsey Elizabeth. As always, subscribe and leave a nice review on the podcast. Uh, Podcast reviews are what I imagine hell to be. So I love when you guys take your time out of your day and leave a nice review. It's just, it really warms my heart. As always, follow us on Instagram and join the Facebook group. I think that's all I have today for housekeeping. Today's episode is perfect for the new year. We're going to be talking all about finances with Rachel Cruz. As the daughter of Dave Ramsey, Rachel's work for the past decade has centered around helping people clean up a financial mess, get out of debt, and build wealth. Her latest book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, Discover Why You Handle Money the Way You Do and What to Do About It, will release on January 5th, 2021. In it, she offers preventative medicine by helping people understand the deeper reasons why they handle money the way they do to create a serious life change that lasts. This episode was super interesting. I always love having different people on the podcast with different perspectives and I don't know. This one was so interesting when it came to money. So I hope you guys enjoy. Hope you guys have the best day ever. And let's get started with the episode. I really love having people from like all different perspectives on the podcast, specifically in finances, because I think there are like so many different ways to do it. And obviously, I mean, your family is like the probably, I mean, the biggest leaders, I think, in finance as is. So I'm so excited to be talking with you and talking about this book. But can you first start off a little bit as growing up in a family as like Dave Ramsey's daughter, who like when you think money, you think Dave Ramsey, you know, like what was that experience? Like I just went to in college. It was a Bible college and obviously like financial, like everything is Dave Ramsey. So I was like telling my friends and they're like, that is actually like iconic. I'm like, I know. (laughs) It sounds like a much bigger deal than it really was. I'll say that. Yeah, it's funny. I think people just assume, you know, because Dave Ramsey was my dad, that we were like obsessed with money. We talked about money all the time. We had like mutual funds birthday parties (laughs) and like at budget camps in the summer and like all that. 
where thankfully that was not the case. Mom and dad, they were intentional with teaching us how money works. And, you know, we had to work from a young age. We always made our own money, like all that stuff. And they really made it a part of life, which I really appreciated because I think some people can take hard subjects, politics, sex, money. I mean, like all these subjects that can be really hard to talk about, especially with kids. And they either just ignore the subject completely. They ignore it. Or it becomes like one big conversation and that's it. Like where all of this stuff needs to be a part of life. And I feel like mom and dad did that kind of in the ebb and flow of life is really where they had these conversations and showed us how money works. I'm 23 now and I'm going through all of these like post-grad things. And I have had all these people on the podcast, like with like attachment theory and just kind of like relationship type things. And it is so crazy how much your childhood affects every aspect of your life, like even to the point where it's finances, like when we go through the money classrooms, which I really want to go through, it's really fully like how you were raised. It is, it's crazy. Yeah, it is wild. I know for a lot of people I was talking to, I interviewed a lot of psychologists and counselors and stuff for this book because I wanted to understand the human being, right? Like this is like so part of like your behavior and changing that behavior is so key. So knowing yourself in that is the first step to be able to change bad behaviors to good. And so so many that I talked to, they were like, yeah, you know who you are. It's 50% nature, 50% nurture. And then as I started going along, it took me about a year to do the research. It started to shift. And more people I started talking to were saying, no, more of it is how you were raised and less about your personality. And your personality, is, it shifts so much because of how you were raised. I mean, it really is the influence that we had as young kids, like and it's so sad because I'm like, we didn't know that, right? Like you're going through life as a kid. You're like, I have no idea. I have no, I have no clue that all of this is going to shape who I am as an adult in every aspect of my life. But the beautiful thing is you, we get to make decisions as adults, obviously, to become healthier and do things to better our lives. But yeah, our childhood shapes us in a tremendous way. So much. And I think money is a way more almost emotional thing than people realize. Because I think it's easy to kind of just put it off and be like, oh, that doesn't have anything to do with it. And it really really does. So let's go into the money classrooms. I was so interested in this. This is like right up my alley. I love like different types, like all of it, personality types, relational types, everything. Well, yeah. So the money classrooms, as I was writing the manuscript for this new book, I was really digging into what we're just talking about, right? Your childhood home. And I realized really money's communicated in two ways in a family. It's communicated emotionally and it's communicated verbally. And so seeing how that dynamic plays into your childhood, it's it's pretty unbelievable. So as I was doing it, I was like, okay, well, some people had an open communication, some had closed, some had, you know, um, emotionally it was stressed for some people it was calm. And, it, and I like wrote this diagram up and I was like, oh my gosh, I have a diagram. Like, <laughs> like this, Jesus gave me this diagram and I'm so excited about it because it makes it so real and it really helps you pinpoint how you grew up. So the first money classroom is the money classroom where it's emotionally stressed, but verbally closed. And this is the anxious money classroom. So if you grew up in this classroom, you never talked about money, but whenever the subject was brought up or there was something around making a money financial decision, there was a lot of tension, a lot of stress. You couldn't pinpoint why because it wasn't talked about, but you felt that. Classroom number two is the unstable classroom. And this is where communication is open, but it's emotionally, it's emotionally stressed. So this is a lot of conflict, a lot of probably fighting. You probably heard your parents have the same money fight over and over again. You probably... Um, heard your parents fight about, you know, to extended family, even about money or friends. Like it just was a lot of, a lot of tension, a lot of conflict, but it was very verbal. The third money classroom verbally closed, but emotionally calm. And this is the unaware money classroom. If you grew up in this classroom, you probably 
honestly had no clue anything about money, like good or bad, indifferent. It was just like, okay, uh, your head was probably a little bit in the sand because it just wasn't a thing. Just it wasn't talked about. You didn't feel the emotion around it. And the fourth money classroom really is the healthiest money classroom. And this is where communication is open. Verbal communication is open, but it's emotionally calm. So your parents are really in control of their money. It wasn't a stress point. You didn't have to have a lot of money to grow up in this money classroom. I mean, you could have had $10 or 10 million, but it was controlled. Uh, there was a plan in place and they talked about it. It wasn't a taboo subject. So that's really that fourth money classroom is where I encourage people currently to start moving their families or where they are really into that classroom. But the important thing is to look back and say, okay, how did I grow up? Because all of them come with weaknesses. I mean, with anything in order for there to be change and for you to make change in your life to you have to have a starting point. So if you don't even realize where you're at, it's hard for you to really change because you're kind of just following nothing, you know? I feel like I honestly was more so secure money classroom and not in the sense of like we always had a lot of money like you said but my dad and my mom my parents are divorced my mom didn't really ever talk about money but my dad definitely has talked about money but I started my career at like 16 like I had a YouTube channel like early so I think that had a lot to do with it and he was like oh she kind of needs to know so like I was almost taught in a, in a more specific way, like a little bit later, but it's very open. Like even to this day, I talked to my, my dad literally actually bought me a Dave Ramsey book. But even to this day, I like last night I was texting my dad and like saying certain deals that are coming in and we were talking about like investment, stuff like that. So I'm grateful for that. Not in the sense of like everything was always great money wise growing up, but I did have a dad who was very open about it. Like even my hometown friends to this day are like, yeah, I need to talk to your dad <laughs> because like they don't have that. Yeah, that's so true. Yes. And, and that's so great. I'm like any level of communication you have with your parents, even as adults, right? Like even when you enter adulthood, you still have that because there's, there's, there is, there's so much wisdom to be able to learn and be like, okay, that's great. And then to look back and say, okay. Um, you know, maybe you grew up in one of the other three, you know, you're whoever's listening right now. And the great thing is you can say, okay, that is how I grew up. And I want to do things differently. And you can make steps to do that. But in order exactly what you said, in order to change, you have to know where you were and why the habits you have today are coming out of that childhood. And you have to kind of cut some of those off. And what's hard is, you know, our classroom, our, our childhood home was really our classroom growing up. And we all have lessons in every part of life that we take with us into adulthood and we use within our own lives. And then there's a lot of lessons we wish we could unlearn. And I think we all have that, right? So it's like, so figuring it out and pinpointing it for yourself is just really important. How would you recommend someone go from maybe anxious or one of the three to being in like a healthy, secure, like classroom? Say number one, money is just hard to talk about. So I think entering into conversations whether it's with friends, whether it's with mentors or parents or a significant other, like whatever the realm is, talking about money though is so important. And it's gonna be awkward at first, but I would say if you're single, find someone in your life you can talk to, like have open conversations with. I would even say to the point that you're comfortable sharing numbers to say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's this, I have this money left over or I'm not making enough to cover these bills, like as specific as you can be because so much of life, especially when you are single, like you're the only one doing stuff, right? Like you're the one that's in charge of getting groceries and getting the oil changed in your car and going to work. Like, like it is all up to you. So to have another brain in, in your life with you to help you make decisions, especially around money is so, so important. So finding that person to actually verbally talk about money is the first step. And then number two, to be emotionally calm, you have to be in control. And really, I mean, a very tactical way to do that is a budget. 
like when we can dive into this deeper, but, but honestly having intentionality around your money where every single dollar is going, is going to help you tremendously. It's very hard to win with money in the long run when you aren't intentional and you're not living on a plan and a budget. I'm a spender naturally. I'm a free spirit. So like the idea of a budget, I hate, like, I hate the idea of it. I even hate talking about it. But really what I've learned is that a budget just gives you permission to spend. And so a budget gives you that control over your money. Because it's so easy to get to April 15th when taxes come around and you're like, I made how much this year? Where is it? Like, where did it all go? And so the, a budget really, you'll never have that again. You'll never have guilt, shame, questions around the purchase. You can do it freely and openly with boundaries. But really getting in control of your money is going to lower your stress. And a budget is, is that first step. How do you budget? Do you have someone else do it for you? Do you do it yourself? Do you look at it monthly? Do it yourself. Always recommend doing it yourself. And I do it. Yeah, I do a monthly budget. I look at it. I mean, almost every day, every other day, because I have a budgeting app. And so all my transactions come into this app and I can just drag and drop it into the category. So, so a very simple budget. There's a, there's a multiple ways people budget, but I think the most effective budget is a zero based budget. And this is your income minus your expenses equals zero. So every dollar that's coming in is assigned to a category and you're going to do it before the month begins. So you're going to look and say, okay, for this next month, here's what I'm going to make. And some people are on commission, some people freelance. So it may waver month to month, but you kind of just have to guesstimate, say, okay, this is what I think I'm going to make. And then from there, list out every category that you spend money on. So this is from food. This is from uh, rent or your mortgage. This is from insurance, cell phone. Uh, clothes, going out with friends. Like, I mean, like literally everything you spend money on, list it out and put dollar amounts next to each of those categories. So your income for the month coming up minus all your expenses is going to equal zero. And giving and saving can be in that as well. But I mean, it, it, that is, I mean, it's fifth grade math. Like it's pretty easy to do, but throughout the month, that first month, it's going to be terrible. So just prepare your hearts that you're going to probably have overestimated in some categories, underestimated in others. And it's okay, switch it up. You can change it up throughout that first month. The second month, it'll get a little bit better. And by the third month, it will start working. It'll take 90 days. Remember that, 90 days, three months. And then once you get in the rhythm of it, it's, it, it really, it's, it's amazing that you're like, wow, I know exactly where all my money's going. I have it under control and I get to do the things that I value. And that's what's hard is some people get to the end of the month and they're like, man, you know, I have no more money left. You're living paycheck to paycheck and not, and that's a stressful position. So all this intentional, intentionality and putting your money where you need it to go lowers that stress. What app do you use? I use every dollar. Yes. Yeah. There's a free version and then you can upgrade for like a small fee and, and it connects to your oh, bank and it's that's so amazing. Helpful. So like when, yes. So when your transactions come in, you're like, Oh, Publix. Okay. I can put it in grocery, you know, like you just drag and drop it and it does the math for you to show you how much you have left in each category and all of it. It's great. Love that. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the major money tendencies. We are clearly like all obviously wired differently when it comes to money. So can you go into just like maybe a few of those? Yeah, so this was interesting because I always talk about like spenders versus savers. I've been talking about that for like 10 years. And I realized, gosh, there's so much more than just being a spender or a saver. So when you spend money, do you like to spend it on things like actual items or experiences? So I'll ask you, Kenzie, what are, what are you? I, I'm such a homebody. So I think it would be items, but like more specifically, like things for my house. Yeah. Okay. That's so good. Yeah. And see, I have more experiences. I'm like, I'll go, I will spend money at a good dinner or a massage or like all of it. Like that's, I think it's really just COVID though right now, you know, cause normally I travel oh, a lot, yeah, that's but fair. obviously I can't. 
Yes, for sure. For sure. Okay. And then another one is quality over quantity. I would rather have like one really nice sweater than like 17 because I like I need the perfect fit. So for me, I know that I'm a quality person. So if I buy something that isn't up to par, I'm actually just going to lose money because I'm going to keep buying until I find the perfect one. I have learned that about myself in the past few years. It's so good. I know my husband is quality. He's like, nope, I want like two nice pairs of X, Y, and Z, and I'm good, and I'm good. And I'm like, oh. And it's good because what you have to realize too is each of these on extremes on any of these can be unhealthy. So like for me, the quantity aspect, it can be unhealthy because I can justify purchases all the time. I'm like, oh, those earrings, I mean, they're just like 16 bucks on Amazon. Like they're cute. I can, it's no big deal. I can start to kind of like cope with spending because it just feels good in the moment and I can justify it because I'm like, oh, it's not that expensive. And then quality people have to watch out because sometimes you can get stuck on like, that label, that name brand. And if it's anything less than par, it's like just not good enough, right? So like they're on the extremes, you have to be careful for sure. Another one is abundance or scarcity. Your mindset, are you more of a abundance, which is, yeah, there's always, I can always get more like money-wise. There's always more opportunities. I can, I can abundance, yeah. And scarcity is a little bit more, they think through it. They're probably naturally a little bit more savers. They really, they, there's a safety and security in knowing, okay, nope, I'm going to have, this that I can control over here. And that feels yeah, good. I'm definitely abundance. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. So there's about seven of those that I go through in the book, but pinpointing it, I think is really important for yourself to realize, okay, here's where I naturally lean and to kind of watch again for the extremes, but also people in your life. Like I was going on a girl's trip when we were all at dinner and it was so funny because the table was split literally in half. Half the girls were like, no, we want a really nice beach house right by the beach. I want, everyone can have their own room. And we'll go for four nights and like, that's all I need because, oh, I just want my space that feels, and we're all moms. So we're like, you know, the space feels like a vacation. And then half the table was like, no, let's go for seven nights for the same amount of money, but go for seven nights. We can like ride bikes to the beach. We can be further away and we can all kind of, we'll share beds. I don't care. So I'm like, okay, the quantity versus quality. And in even that, even planning a vacation, you can see that. That is so good. Immediately I was like, oh, I a hundred percent know what I am. Even with my job, just as social media things, like I say no to probably most deals that I'm offered to. So I even sometimes would be like, well, I could just say yes. It's not that I'm saying no, because they're not good deals. It's just, you know, for whatever reason. So like, even with that, I was, yeah, I was for sure. literally saying that the other day when I was talking to my dad about another purchase. I'm like, well, I could just do that though. You know, like it's spot on. <laughs> okay. Let's talk a little bit about just fears and finances. I know that's a very real thing, especially this year. This has been obviously yeah, yeah. such a year, not the best. Um, and it's left a lot of people feeling very anxious about money. I think it's actually, it's even pushed people to plan more and maybe get a budget for the first time. And financial, I was talking to my financial advisor and they're like, our business right now is booming really because people really want control over their finances. Because I think anxiety really creeps in when you don't have any sort of control so I think that that's like a huge factor of fear. Yeah, fear is really interesting. I was talking to Dr. Chip Dodd about it and he said, fear is a gift. Now, when fear goes into anxiety, that gets unhealthy. But fear itself, you really can look at it as a gift because it's just your body's response that you are in need of something. So if you think about like a bear running at you, you're going to be fearful. And that's a good thing because it tells you I got to run. I got to do something, right? And so when you have money fears, it's good to pinpoint it, but realize, okay, it's your body saying, hey, I need help in this situation. I need to do something different. So 
like you said, for a lot of people, it's the first time they realize, wow, I really need money saved in the bank. 40% of Americans cannot cover a $400 emergency in cash, which is insane. And so when you lose a job, when you're furloughed, your whole world has been turned upside down. And so you have to realize, okay, or even just the fear of losing your job, what do I have to have in place? And so that emergency fund is so key. I always tell people to get a $1,000 emergency fund. Um, if you have a lot of bills, because you have a lot of debt, start paying off your debt. It's amazing. Debt, it steals your income from you. And it also steals your peace of mind. I mean, it is a thief, really. And it's, it's crazy what it does to people when you are in debt and you owe someone something. And so to have no bills or anything, that puts you at a level of control and security for sure. But those kind of things people didn't think about before the pandemic. And so really focusing on, hey, these are the things you have to do in order not to have this fear. And so the lack of security is a big fear for people. Uh, I don't want to end up like my parents is another fear I hear. Um, I'm not going to be able to realize my dreams. I don't, I'm not going to be able to do the things that I want to do in life. Like, I mean, there's so many fears. So take your fear and say, okay, what are the things I have to put in place tactically to help overcome that? Something I love that you said about dreams was just kind of a sign that you're not dreaming is that you're not saving. Can you talk a little bit about that? So interesting too. I was actually getting brunch with a friend recently and she was, she's a big dreamer. She's like a girl who makes it happen. And I was just kind of asking her like practically how she's doing a few things. And she said that she has savings accounts for every idea. And she's like a very big entrepreneur, but she's like, as soon as I get an idea, I, it may not be something I do this year. It could be five years from now. I set up a savings account and maybe there's only a couple hundred dollars in there, but it's that step that makes me like know that I'm taking it a little bit more seriously. Oh, I love that. Yes. So I talk about, you know, when we're dreaming and you're looking at the future and you're like, man, I want to go here or I want to start this business or I want to buy this house or this car, like whatever it is, like the dreams and goals you have in the future, it usually takes money. Like there's an element of money that has to be attached to it. And when you don't have those dreams, there's no reason to save. And the, the basic reason to save is your emergency fund and having that cushion in the bank. It's there in case something happens. But above and beyond that, saving for the future. And when you're not saving, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's easy, it's easy to dream and have an idea, but it's so difficult to put that into practice. And so when you realize, wow, I don't have money saved, then it's really going to limit a lot of the things that you want to do in life. And so attaching the two is really important because for me, saving can be hard. I kind of feel like it's like this black hole. I just put my money in and I'm like, I've worked so hard for this money and I don't get to like have fun with it. But to be able to say, no, future Rachel, you know, Rachel, who's, you know, I'm, I'm 33. So I'm like 40 year old Rachel is going to love early thirties, Rachel, because I'm planning for that. So when we hit that goal in that time in life, oh my gosh, it's going to be so fun because we're going to be able to do, to do the things we want to do versus just living in the moment, instant gratification day in and day out. You're just seeing like what's right in front of you. You can't live like that long-term. You have to be able to look in the future and then save for those dreams. I love that. I also, it's just so interesting because I was just talking about that. And I think that that is such a big thing. The number one reason I feel like most of my friends aren't doing something is because of lack of resource. And it, just taking such a small step, even if it's not much money, like even if you don't have much, I think just taking that step also gives you just like a little bit of confidence in yourself because it's like showing yourself that you believe in yourself, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you've never saved before, honestly, have a goal to save $500. Okay. What do I need to cut out of the budget? What, what else do I need to do? Just save it. Like the first step is just to do it, right? Money's not going to just appear into your savings account. 
one day and you're like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> like you have to be intentional about it, but you're going to feel that first step and start small. Don't start big, start small. Let's talk a little bit about COVID and how obviously that's affected so many people's finances. But if you have any tips or any sort of like hope almost to offer like financially. So like when everything goes bad, you can tell like, oh gosh, everyone's exposed. And it's like, wow, here's really where I am. And it's a good shakeup. I think that for a lot of people, you can have this moment where you say, you know what, no matter what, am I going to be put in this position again? No matter what happens in the future, I refuse to be this stressed out about money because we are living paycheck to paycheck or because I don't have savings. So use it as a learning first and foremost. But if you were laid off, if you were furloughed and you still are, you still are not making an income, which hopefully by this point, there's been another job in, in play for you. But if not, you are in crisis mode. So I'd say stop everything and save up cash. And you want to take care of your four walls, which is food, shelter, utilities, and transportation. Take care of that. That's your necessities. Everything else goes on the back burner and just save, save, save. Now, for a lot of people, you know, industries were completely crushed. I mean, the hospitality industry, hotel industry, I mean, all of it, right? Like, basically vanished. It's insane. But there were other industries that thrived during the pandemic and they didn't lay anyone off and they're actually growing. So if you're in one of those industries that you're like, you know what, my job is secure, but you still have this fear looming. You cannot let fear dictate all of your decisions. Fear is a terrible financial advisor. And so what you have to say is, okay, what are things I'm going to put in place now that if something were to happen, that I'm going to be okay. But again, that you have to get over that fear. Yeah. So fear is a terrible financial advisor. So put tactical things in place. Like we said earlier, though, a budget, get that emergency fund of 500 to a thousand dollars, start paying off your debt and start working through it. Cause some people I think were just paralyzed in general because they were so freaked out, but now we're past it. We have data. Now we know what's going on your job. You kind of have an idea of what's happening. Maybe you are in a little bit of flex though. Like if you're, if your boss at work is like, yeah, we may not survive till Christmas pause everything and save, save, save. But you can't, you know, but if you, you know, deliver groceries, you know, and you work for Instacart or something like you're probably going to be okay. There's probably going to be business for you. So just say, you know what, I'm okay. Take a deep breath and have a plan to put yourself in a be even better financial position though, than where you are now. Let's talk a little bit too about just changing your money habits. Cause I'm sure there's so many people listening to this from the beginning of the episode in different classrooms. And we kind of talked about that, but at the end of the day, like we are adults and you can't blame everything on your childhood. It's more of just like, this is a starting point to figure out what I need to change in order to have more control and be in a healthier place financially. So what are some, what are some things that maybe someone in their like twenties can do? Yeah, I would say number one, you have to realize that change is hard. So even if you've been handling your own money for even just two, three, four, five years, breaking even those habits is going to be really difficult. It feels good. It feels comfortable to be doing the same thing over and over again. Even if it's not working, it still just feels good. It's like, yeah, this is comfortable. I feel good about this. So number one, know that it's hard. And number two, you have to have hope that your change is going to create a better future than what you have now. So if I'm telling you, hey, you need to get out of debt. And in order to get out of debt, you have to sacrifice everything. For about 12 to 18 months, you are not going to be doing anything. Every extra income is going to be paying off your student loans. It's going to go to pay off your car. It's going to go to pay off your debt. That sacrifice for that year, year and a half is really hard. And if I told you just to sacrifice for the heck of it, I'm like, hey, just don't go out to eat for a year. 
that's crazy. Like, like I'm like, no, I need a reason why, right? So you have to believe that 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 sacrifice is going to be worth it. That the hope at the at, in the future is better than your present. So that's number two. That hope piece has to be there. And the number three, I, again, I would say start small. So smart, start with just doing a budget for the first time. Start with saying, you know what, I'm going to just try to save $100 this month. Like whatever it is, have these small steps because personal finance, it's 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. So knowing what to do is pretty easy, right? Live on less than you make. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Live on a plan. Like we all know these things, but doing it is really, really hard. And so when you get these quick wins of these small goals that you actually accomplish, your behavior, you start to see, okay, well, I actually can do this. I actually can start to change. And it's not scary. It's not uncomfortable. It actually is making my life better. That's such a big thing because I think money can be such something that's kind of full of anxiety, especially when you don't know much or you're not in control. And I know I've been there before with having a job where I don't have a set income. I don't have like, I don't get paid the same day every month. I mean, for some things I do, but most things I don't, I can make triple one month that I make the last, like all of it. It's very confusing. And for me beforehand, before I really got more of a hold on my finances, really in the past, like two years, I, I was more so anxious, not even because I didn't have money. It was more so like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do. It's so confusing. I feel like I'm going to find out I'm doing all this stuff wrong. And it was just kind of scary. And then when I actually just had my first meeting with a financial advisor, the anxiety that was like released and I felt so like comfortable, almost like more confident with it. And it wasn't like, it really wasn't this scary thing that I had made it out to be over years of like being afraid of really like getting down to it and making a budget and doing all this stuff. I was terrifying myself for like no reason. Yes. No, it's such a good point. And money, it's a magnifying glass. So it makes you more of what you already are. So if you are not really controlling your money, you don't really know what to do and you get some money, that is all magnified, right? It feels so much bigger. But when you actually have a plan in place, you know what you're doing, you're content, you're a giver, you're generous. I mean, all these things that are in place and you get money all of that is magnified. Like the stress is, is still lowered, that's magnified and who you are as a person. And so I think that that's a really important point that you know, where you are today, whoever's listening, maybe you don't have a ton right now, but handle that, handle the small things really well. Cause when the big opportunities come and you actually are starting to make more money, it's, it's not gonna be a big leap in your mind. You're gonna be able to do the same thing over and over again. And it's gonna create an even bigger result. Feels so good when you're actually in control and all of that like fear and anxiety, I'm sure like it can still be there. But once you actually really are kind of taking control of your finances, you just feel so much better. And what is it with the I'm like butchering the quote. I'm sure it's probably like from the Bible, but like one. OK, the word I always say this where the world of the generous gets larger. So I think giving is such a huge thing for me personally, financially. But at the same time, like. I think the way that you handle $100 is the same way you're going to handle 1000 and then it keeps going up and going up and building from there. So I just think in your 20s, when you're typically like starting off in your career, it's such an important time to kind of build these habits. And that's mainly like the kind of demo that listens to this podcast. So I just thought that was important. No, I think that's so I think that's so good. Because yeah, while you may have a couple of habits in place over a few years, that's much easier to change than two decades later. Like I talk to 40 and 50 year olds all the time and they're trying this for the first time. And I'm like, man, if time is on your side, like, like everyone listening to this podcast, I'm like, oh, if you can get this now, 
literally your whole future is going to be changed in such an amazing way. Uh, not only from like the tactical side of just investing and compound interest and all of that, that's amazing, but the habits and the heart and the character of who you are, when you have that as your, as your foundation, it is, it is so much more tremendous. It makes life so much easier. It really does. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Where can they find you and where can they find the book? Yeah, you can find the book wherever books are sold. It's Know Yourself, Know Your Money. You can find it at uh, rachelcruz.com as well. And yeah, I'm, I have a podcast, The Rachel Cruz Show, and a YouTube show as well. And anywhere, social media, I'm everywhere. So you can just look me up. All right, guys, be sure to check out Rachel's book and her Instagram. I will have it in the show notes, but I love you guys so much. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and felt that it was a good way to start off 2021. As always, leave requests. I hear you guys want more solo episodes. So let me know exactly what you want solos on. But I love you guys so much and I will talk to you next week.